who will survive? Means nothing. Nothing means nothing. What do you mean by that? I'm talking about all the way to the top. Yeah. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. But the cream rise to the top. give you a show like you have never ever seen before why because i can hello everyone welcome to a special episode of the positively pro wrestling podcast i'm your host steve fountas and today is going to be the first in this series of interviews i'm doing with other content creators in the world of wrestling and for the most part we're staying in the world of wrestling we've got YouTube people, we've got bloggers and website people and people with other podcasts from different genres of wrestling. And it was something I've been wanting to do for a while. And I finally threw a tweet out there to see if there'd be any f- positive feedback on it, ironically, like the PPW, Positively Processing Podcast Show. And there was. There was a ton, actually. So if you responded and I didn't get back to you or if I don't have you on schedule yet, please don't take that as an insult. It's just the response was so incredibly overwhelming with people that wanted to do it that I couldn't keep up with it all. And at some point, we'll go back to you guys and reach out again once we get through this initial batch uh, on our show. This week, we're going to be talking with Joe from the Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. You can follow them at OVP Podcast on Twitter, and we'll get talking about more about the interview in a second. You want to follow us on Twitter? As always, you can at PPW Podcast. And you want to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever. Search Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast and hit that subscribe button. And all these new shows that are going to be cranking out will go right into your app for you to listen to. And if you're an iTunes user and want to leave us a review, that'd be awesome because it helps more people find us as they're searching for wrestling podcasts. And also, if you like us, give us a retweet or tell a friend about it. We would really, really appreciate that. And anytime you get new listeners, it's super cool. And it's always super cool when you guys reach out and tell me a specific thing you liked about a show we did last week. Eric and I did that fun watch along with Legends House. We'll be doing more special shows as we kind of go on here the next over the summer. But we will be doing the regular shows with Eric and I as well. All right. So this week, like I mentioned, it's Joe from the Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast and His show, along with Quinn that he does every week, is one that I really admire from a technical standpoint and from a content standpoint. One, I think they're they're the best-sounding podcast out there, and that includes all professional podcasts. And those quote-unquote professional podcasts, they definitely sound a lot better then. And Joe talks about the technical side of their show, talks about how they got started, why they continue to do their shows, and, and all that. And I think it's a fun interview for people that, one, are wanting to start a show or two currently have some type of show, maybe give you guys some inspiration or another way to think of something as you're creating your show every week or every other week or whenever you create one like we do. I do plan on getting more of these out weekly, if not uh, twice a week, depending on what interview schedule and things like that. We do have a lot more coming up. Like I said, we're working on the schedule now. Luckily, Joe and I were able to get on pretty quickly, so I wanted to get it out to you guys as soon as we can because I think you will like it. So here is the interview with Joe from the Our Vantage Point podcast.
Okay, so we have our, I guess our, this is technically our first interview. I'm not sure if it's going to be aired first, but whatever. On the line, we have host or co-host, whatever he wants to be called as, of the Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast, Joe Morata. Joe, how's it going? Steve, it's going well. I guess you can call me the co-host. I'm just the guy that talks first on the show. Are you the technically the producer? Do you do most of the production stuff on it? I do. Yeah, I do all the production. And okay. So then, yeah, so you get to you get first billing then. Oh, thank you. Glad I came on. <laughs> I'm sure Quinn might not appreciate that, but I'm going to give you first billing. He'll get over it. Okay. So as I mentioned in the intro, the point of this is I sent out a tweet a few days ago, and this is something I've been talking about doing for a while, was getting the background of content creators as someone that's been doing this now for a few years. Like, I'm interested in hearing people's processes and hearing their stories and all that, especially the more quote unquote independent people that are doing it. Not necessarily every person, every, every Conrad podcast or Colt Cabana or any, or any other person that's getting paid professionally to do this. Uh, people out here that for the most part aren't making anything off this. There's no real monetary value to doing it. So just want to talk to co-host and people that I listen to and people maybe that even don't. Uh, luckily, I have a little bit of background with Joe because I have listened to his show and I think I first discovered your show because our buddy Ringskirts Nate like told me, he's like, you have to listen to our vantage point. Like it's right <laughs> in your wheelhouse. And it was, so that worked out well. Uh, I guess the first question for you is not necessarily like the whole story of OVP, but why did you decide to do this show? Like, did you have something before any experience in podcasting or broadcasting or what made you say, Hey, I'm going to start a retro wrestling podcast. The show started because Quinn, who I've known since I was 14, so over 20 years, he had been bugging me probably since like 2009. Let's do a podcast. Let's do a podcast. And I'm like, what's a podcast? Because it's 2009. And he was listening to the Smart Wrestling Fan, uh, which is still going, by the way. It's one of the first wrestling podcasts. And anyway, all these years later, 2016, he was going to be doing a comedy podcast with a mutual friend of ours. And I had equipment already. I had microphones and things like that. And I said, you know what? I'll, I'll help you guys out with it. I'll set up the equipment, show you how to use it, et cetera. So one night, I think it's 1.30 in the morning, a couple of beers involved. And I'm showing Quinn how to use the equipment. And uh, I'm like, why don't we do a five-minute test? And we wound up talking about Dino Bravo, of all people. And uh, <laughs> the next day, we were like, you know what? Can we just do this? Let's just try this. And we did. And we haven't missed a show since. That was what, in 2016? Or no, yeah. sorry, 20, well, that was your first official show, right? 2016, 2016 right? yeah. Yep. When you first were starting, this was a question I had, and I'm curious what other people were. The, not necessarily the fear, but the thing of, like, who's going to listen to this? What was, <laughs> like, where did that, did that even come to your mind, or this was just like, we're going to do it for us? It was, we're going to do it for us. We're going to put it on the internet. We put it on free SoundCloud at the time. And I think Quinn shopped it around, you know, just kind of put it out there in the smart wrestling fan boards that he was a member of and maybe on Reddit. I can't remember. Uh, but a, we had no expectation that anyone was going to listen to this. We were doing it for us. We were doing it for fun. Mm -hmm. And so when the, you mentioned uh, you started initially chatting about Dino Bravo, but... <laughs> When you first started it, like, what was the process like in the beginning? Did you have, a, did you know what a format was? Did you need a format? Were you just like, let's wing it? I figure that's what people do. Or how did? What was your original process when you first got started with your first shows? In a lot of ways, it's similar to the way it is now, which is we don't 
rehearse or prepare anything other than when we do a review, we have to take notes on it so we can follow along with what we're talking about. But in the beginning, before we were even doing reviews of anything, I wanted to segment it up because I didn't feel like we had the juice to go an hour on one thing without mm-hmm. rambling, without, you know, without being structured. And I didn't want to do any research. I didn't, I wanted to make it as, I wanted to be as lazy as possible. Let me put it that way. <laughs> I wanted to rely on my memory and all the quirky, weird things that we had noticed being wrestling fans, you know, since the nineties. So the whole idea was let's do these four 15 minute segments. That was the original format. Our show's a bit longer now. And let's just uh, kind of theme them a little bit. It was like underrated, overrated. Uh, one thing I missed, there were like these old segments that we don't do anymore. And anyway, it was basically just let's alternate what we're going to pick each week, throw them at each other without even discussing it first, and we'll just see how it goes. And that's how we used to operate for a long time. You, you, what's funny is when you first started talking, you were talking about, oh, we didn't have a, we didn't know we were, it wasn't a format. We didn't have stuff, but you just listed a format to me. So you did it's, have one. It's segments, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't the format in the sense of pay $6 to see my show notes type of format. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was more like, let's just do four segments and beyond knowing the four segments, let's wing it from there. I don't, I just, I'm so glad you said that show notes thing. Cause I would never share my show notes cause they're so lazy and people would just be like, wait, I'm, I'm listening to this and this is your prep. So <laughs> that's hilarious to me that you said the show note <laughs> thing. And it still boggles my mind that people pay for that. Do whatever you want with your money. Support podcast. That's great. But show notes, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, really, all you're going to see is a bunch of typos of me reviewing some shitty old championship wrestling or something. You know, it's not that exciting. What I sent to you for this interview prep is basically my format of every show note. There's like 10 bullet points and I go from there. And maybe sometimes I ramble otherwise, like I'm doing now sometimes. When you guys were first starting out and you're kicking out shows, not knowing if anyone's listening or not. I mean, there's SoundCloud data, which is not necessarily the most reliable. Right. You, were you, how did you first find out like people were listening? Did you have just initial friends coming out? Were there people reaching out on Twitter? Like, how did you know people were hearing you? Oh man. I, I think we, yeah, we got some early engagement on Twitter. One thing we did, I think our seventh episode is we had Scott Keith from um, blogadoom.com. We had him on. So that probably increased our exposure a bit. But it was a slow build. Uh, we didn't have our Facebook group until almost a year in. It was Twitter. We we started. I would follow all sorts of people on Twitter. You know, I did the old, the old hacky follow mm-hmm. someone so they follow me back type of deal. Yeah, I did that. You know, a lot back then. I, I hadn't had a Twitter before, so I was just like, all right, I'll just follow everybody. Maybe they'll follow me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but little by little, I guess people started to share the show with each other. It took a while though. Do you ever go back and listen to some of your first episodes? or at least browse them every once in a while? Mm, not for recreational purposes. Like no. if, I, if I needed to pull a clip for something, which I've done before, you know, if I, we're doing like a best of segment, which we did for our 100th show, mm-hmm. things like that. But no, I, I kind of just, I'm always thinking like a show or two ahead, truthfully. Yeah, the reason I asked that is because I want to ask you about some of the initial, I guess maybe even trial and error from the beginning of your show, because I'm sure there was some, and there, there, there will continue to be as you do shows every week, but... That's a two-part question. One, trial and error from the technical standpoint, maybe. Okay. And then maybe second part, trial and error from the content, uh, show format. Performance, show, yeah. yeah. All that stuff type of thing. So that's a two-part question for you. Uh, from a technical standpoint, the biggest mistake I made, and I always kick myself on this, is like the first few episodes, I decided in post-production to put slight reverb on us for 
God knows what reason. I don't know what era of old-timey radio I thought I was broadcasting in, but that was something I did. Uh-huh. So that, that was a little embarrassing. Uh, we used different equipment in the beginning. We, But really, more, more of the trial and error was more on the performance side and the actual physically doing the show. Like almost anyone that's never done that before, you can kind of hear the lack of confidence in the voices in the early ones, you know? And I think that's true for a lot of shows, yeah. people that have never done it, you know? You can just hear the hesitancy and the, the self-consciousness come across. But I think that's normal. I think, again, unless you've been in broadcasting or some type of performance art of some kind, that that's going to happen in the in the early shows. Yeah, it's awkward. For people who have never done this or are thinking about it, it is awkward to talk into a microphone and have a conversation with somebody, but it's not like a conversation you would have regularly because regular conversations, you're not worried about dead air. That's but a thing. A, yeah. On a podcast, you're, you're, it's like my biggest fear. I don't want a second of dead air. It drives me nuts. So it's, it's an interesting thing you brought up there of trying to figure out your way, especially the initial shows, because now, honestly, I mean, you guys are a well-oiled machine. It sounds like you sound professional. Your audio is the best. Your sound drops are great. And, me being the producer of our show, I know how much work that is, and I know how much of a pain in the ass that can be sometimes. So it's very cool to hear where you're at now. Even some of your earlier episodes I listened to, too, they still sounded good. Like, the actual sound was good, and that's super important. Um, so from a technical standpoint, kind of transitioning into that, do you want to say, like, the type of equipment you use? Or do you want to say, like, your process for yeah. for producing the show that I think that'd be cool for people to hear. It's a little more professional than maybe some people are used to. Um, so what do you got? In layman's terms, please, because I'm on a USB <laughs> mic still. <laughs> no problem, Steve. First of all, thank you for that. Uh, and just as a side note, one of the things that I was kind of picky about, still am, in the beginning, though, was let's have the sound as good as possible because I'm going to go on a slight tangent here, but knowing how many wrestling podcasts there were even then, especially now, there's probably more than 2016, and then anyone can make one, which I think is great. Once we started getting a bit of an audience, I was like, well, how can we really stand out? You know, and I figured, well, one way to immediately hook someone is, hey, this sounds good. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't think that good sound will make a a good show better, but I think that bad sound can hurt a good show, if that makes sense. hundred you know, percent. Yep. Yeah. It could turn people off. Uh, if the content sucks, it sucks, right? But so I figured, well, I'm just gonna learn more about this i had i've i know a bit about sound already but i really tried to research different methods and and different equipment so segueing into that uh the way we're recording now if anyone's interested in that is we both use matching mics we use the shore sm7b which is pretty much a a broadcast standard it's used in radio uh it's one one of the standards used in radio each of our mics go into Well, the latest preamps we have are the DBX-286Ss. Those are preamps that also have a compressor on them and a few other little colorizations. That goes into a secondary compressor and a noise gate, which blocks out any humming, hissing, and and things like that. And then on top of that, I have the Sonic Exciter, which in layman's terms is basically like uh, an EQ compressor, and it brings out uh, the highs and the lows in a Mm -hmm. cool way. And that runs through my mixer. And my mixer runs into my Zoom R8 recorder, and that's how I record it to an SD card. And then I edit everything in Audacity. 
There you go. So there's there's a lot of letters and numbers in there for people. Uh, when you were <laughs> you, I know you said you had a little bit of background. I follow up on some of your equipment. Yeah, it, it, you have a little bit of a background. You said, how did you decide like which one to get? I know you look up reviews on microphones or whatever, and there's some people saying best mic ever, and someone says this sucks. And you watch YouTube videos or reviews and that. How did you kind of sift through it to end up with? the stuff that you bought because it's not cheap either and it's something you want to sound good you have to spend a little more money and that's fine but how did you end up with what you ended up with a lot of reading uh research a lot of research a lot of reviews a lot of youtube videos i th same things that you just said once i heard that the sure sm7b was one of the broadcast standards was that mm -hmm. or the uh the re20 i uh well quinn actually really wanted the sm7bs so i wound up buying his for his birthday and i got myself one as well and that, that was just it. We just knew that this is a good sounding mic. I got to hear it, you know, in use on YouTube uh, through various videos and listen to shows that used it. So that's how I picked that. As far as all of the other equipment, uh, that's just from really studying up on it. It's just something I'm interested in anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just would kind of meticulously look through stuff and I would debate back and forth. All right, am I going to buy this? Am I not going to buy this? You know, and uh, eventually I would just bite the bullet and buy it. Yeah. Uh, I like how you said you bought Quinn it for his birthday and yourself won the old Homer Simpson bowling ball to Marge birthday present. There you go. Uh, attitude. So, so good job on that one. Thank you. What about uh, a lot of your famous sound drops that come in? Is that a, is that a board you have through, cause I know there's apps and things like that. You can basically make your own soundboard or is this a post-production thing you do? Uh, the board, I do have a board. It's a program. If anyone wants it, it's available. I'm not going to try to hoard trade secrets here. <laughs> it's called, <laughs> Soundbite, B-Y-T-E, Soundbite. I think I paid $35 for it or something like that. It's, But it's very basic, and you can plug in any kind of audio file to it and just have them all on a screen so mm -hmm. you can click them or hotkey them. Uh, but I use that generally for the intro and when we do the outro and for any, like, segment uh, music, you know, segment transitions and the Royal Rankings intro and stuff like that. I do have a bunch of stuff on the board, a bunch of sound drops like Gorilla Monsoon saying who cares and all those things, uh, but I do all of that in post typically. Could you please bring back the Dave Meltzer, Meltzer match drops for me next show? That's my one request for you. I want a match drop. <laughs> you want a match drop? I, I want a match. I want a great match. I have that somewhere. <laughs> I want that for the next show. I could probably give it to you right now if you want it. You know, I, I'm fine with it. I'll, I'll like it. I'll listen right, to here it. We, let's see. Match. There you go. <laughs> Love it. Just Thank for you. you. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate <laughs> it. And while, while you're not responding to people and quote quoting responding on Twitter, you can say that. Appreciate and run, that. Dave. Run on sentences. Oh, poor guy. Anyway, uh, what about when you first started, or even now? Did you guys have any influences of other podcasts you listen to, or even other, you know, broadcasters that you would listen to? Like, oh, I kind of like what they do here, or hmm. I would like to steal a little bit from that for my show. You know what? <laughs> it's it's funny. I had never, except for incidentally listening to uh, the, the one I mentioned, Smart Wrestling Fam with Quinn, a couple of times, you know, in like 2008 or nine or whatever, I had never listened to a wrestling podcast or any podcast, believe it or not, uh, before we started this. So influences in the podcasting world, no. Mm -hmm. My main influence here, believe it or not, was sports talk radio, uh, specifically Mike and the Mad Dog which uh, in the New York area was a very popular show for reasons. And uh, that was the, that I grew up listening to that in, in, until it ended, you know, and between that and a uh, angry video game nerd 
on sure. YouTube. A yep. lot of people know him. His style to me, you know, someone from New Jersey, someone that did it himself, that was an, an inspiration. You know, his overall, the dedication that he put into it, uh, producing things himself, you know, starring in it himself. And certain, you know, ways that he does comedy with drops and, and different and things like that. Uh, those are probably my two biggest influences, whether intentional or not, you know, that come across more than any podcast or anything like that. What about now? Do you listen to podcasts now or are there shows you listen to now? Uh, yeah, I used to have a lot more time in my previous job mm -hmm. um, because I just had my own office and I could have speakers on. So I listen to a lot of stuff. I, mean, I listen to yours uh, most of the time, actually. And I listen to um, Pritchard if it interests me, but I'm not really involved too much in the, the Conrad empire. If, mm -hmm. if it's a topic that interests me, I'll throw it on while I'm doing dishes or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I hadn't heard of Laps Fan until well after we were doing this, believe it or not. And I do listen to them. Well, I haven't probably in a couple of years. I don't want to lie. But I have listened to them. Mm -hmm. uh, and OSW, which is the video version, obviously, I, I throw that on every time they release a new one. Yeah. Other than that, I and greetings from Allentown, um, a friend he of the cracks, show. He cracks me up. Yeah. I love Greens from Allentown. Good guy, Petey. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that's honestly about it, mainly because well, of time. Sure. Well, one, thanks for listening to us. I appreciate that. That's super, super cool. Um, I listen to you guys almost every... I'm about in 20 minutes into your three-hour Halloween Havoc 91 review, so it's going to take a while to get through that one. But Good I'm Lord. I'm looking forward to it because that's one of them. I love... I love WCW, well, Eric Bischoff was working there, but before he was in charge. That's like my favorite area of WCW. It's so interesting to me. It is fun. It is. Um, when you guys are, I guess, creating your show every week and you you hit stop on the record button, has, do you have any like horror stories of you go in to edit the show, to put it out, and you're like, oh, God, this is wrong? <laughs> like, um, it's been if a long time. If you say no and be mad, there's got to be one in there because I've had a couple too. <laughs> it's been a long time, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. One of the good things that we do is we record it on video, uh, which we put on Patreon. I don't know why anyone likes to watch it, but they do. So yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have a redundancy where Quinn is actually capturing it on video as we mm -hmm. go. And there was one time where my SD card, because I was a doofus and I didn't uh, dump it ahead of time, it ran out of space. So I had to go in and, and get Quinn's audio and basically edit that into the podcast so we didn't lose the show uh, other than that i think god three years ago or something i might have deleted all of the sound drops that i added in so and then silence <laughs> yeah. during those drops so i had to literally go back and put them all back in best i could remember what i had put in so that was a pain in the ass but no thankfully um Maybe because we're such a professional operation. No, but thankfully, really, uh, we haven't had too many of those horror stories. Well, I mean, you do have the backup, like you said, and everything. And yeah. I'm sure you're meticulous while it's recording to make sure everything's working and, and all that, too. Do you listen back to your shows? Uh, by default, I have to because I'm editing. Uh, beyond that, mm -hmm. I might throw it on in the car on the ride to and from, well, on the ride home from work occasionally just to see how it came across. Yeah. But that's about it. You know, like I said, it's kind of a one and done. That's all I have time for. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I just say that because I, I do listen back to our shows every time yeah. just to make sure, one, there's things I notice and, you know, Eric's driving me nuts if he does a cough or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> and like I yell at him about it the next week. He's like, what? It wasn't a big deal. But it's just little <laughs> stuff like I know bugs me because like we said at the beginning of this, the one of the most important things to me and to you obviously is, is if it sounds good. Yeah, And if you're in your car or if you have your headphones on or wherever you are, you have to be able to hear it. 
and it has to sound good. You don't want pauses. You don't want people eating, which I've heard podcasts do before, or taking swigs of beer or, or whatever. So it's important for me to listen back to it. And I'm curious when I talk to other people that create stuff, if they listen back to their stuff. So you obviously do it while you're editing it. And yeah. I do a little bit backwards where I, while I'm editing the show, the editing I do is pretty minimal, to be honest. It's pretty much a one-take show, mm-hmm. and we add in drops here or there if I need to, but I, I skim through it to make sure there's no big issues, but then I'll go back and listen to it in the car on the way to work or something like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, when you were growing your audience, uh, you have, you have, I'm not, what's not like blow smoke and say you have like the biggest podcast around Conrad's going to sign you to his network soon, but you have <laughs> a following and you have people to listen yes. and that's, and that's a cool feeling. What, as you were growing the audience, what else did you do to grow it? Did you just keep cranking out shows or was there any other advertising or any other thing to, to reach out? Did you just keep cranking out shows? I think that's a really fair question, Steve. I think the biggest reason that our audience continued to grow is because we consistently put out an episode every single week. And I'm not saying that that's the only key to success, but we were consistently there every single Monday, same time that the quality as best we could, the mood of the show was always the same every week, you know, and you can't tell when you listen to our show, if I've had a bad day or a good day, it, we always sound the same and I think that there might be a level of comfort in that for people that grow accustomed to listening to the same thing at the same time every single day and that and it's weird that there are people that are like oh man can't wait for the episode to come out tomorrow I'm like well I'm just a regular person you know and you want to listen to me talk but I think that that was a big part of it is we are consistently putting out stuff the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley segment that we used to do caught on with people because we were ranking stuff and who doesn't love arguing about rankings, you know? And, yeah. and, you know, I mean, that's like a no brainer. And we just did that for fun. We weren't even thinking in terms of audience engagement, but once we realized it, we were like, wow, people can tell us their Mount Rushmore and death Valley of stuff. You know, that's a hot topic. And once we started reviewing these odd quirky shows that we would get our hands on, you know, it's one thing to review all the pay-per-views, which, you know, we do, but, to review a random episode of Spotlight from 1989 with Ian Mooney, you know, like who, who does that? You know, it was just being a little off the wall, a little offbeat, but also conventional enough that a wrestling fan could listen to us. You know, do you know? I guess you can't obviously officially know because you're not calling and surveying people, or whatever. But <laughs> do you somewhat know what your demographic is about the age of people that are listening to you guys around? Um, yeah, I mean, judging by the the membership in our Facebook group, which I would say most of the people in the group listen to the show. I'm not positive of that, but most of them do. It's people probably ranging from their late mid late twenties upwards of their mid forties. There's people older than that, but it's mm-hmm. probably from like twenty five to forty five, give or take. Do you ever find yourself targeting that specific, or are you just saying this is our show? And this is what we're doing. Uh, this is our show. This is what we're doing because that's all I I know how to be. You know what I mean? I, I have to stay in my wheelhouse. Yeah. And I think, I mean, your wheelhouse is my wheelhouse. I'm yeah. 35, almost 36 years old too. So it's it's the same wheelhouse. And I've, I've found as as our show has evolved, it's, it's obviously a lot different than when it first started. What my original intention of our show was originally was I'm finding that all the weird wrestling stuff I thought only I noticed and only I did everybody else noticed and everybody else right. did it too. And like you said, it's a comfort for people to talk to. 
you know, and like my like my friend, my co-host Eric told my favorite story in the world about how he crushed a kid's head using the Kona Crush in the playground. Yeah. And I laughed for like a good half hour on our show aloud about it because he was telling it to me live. I never heard the story before. <laughs> and like I heard so many people say, oh my God, I tried to put the sharpshooter on my friend at playground or whatever. And we find these weird niche things. We're all in the same weird age group, grew up in the mid 80s, developed without the internet. And now here we are. So it's an interesting group and I, I find myself trying to sometimes cater towards that mostly selfishly that means our numbers are higher for those particular episodes sure um but it's and I'm glad that you're just saying we're doing what we're doing <laughs> so you're not catering to anybody <laughs> no you- I mean it, well, that's just the honest truth you know I mean we we know at this point we know um who our audience is but that doesn't necessarily deter or motivate us to try something different it's just that it's got to be something that we know what we're talking, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to just blatantly uh, try to talk about something I don't know about just to Mm -hmm. pander to a certain segment of an audience that I want. Maybe that's not smart from a marketing perspective, but it's just who we are, you know? We won't be getting the Tyler Black ROH retrospective episode anytime soon. Uh, Well, we could because Quinn and I used to go to ROH and watch Tyler Look at you guys, you marks. (laughs) (laughs) So did we too. So did we too. We went to the local ones here at the Chicago Ridge Gymnasium. Nice. We went to the Edison Hockey, uh, Ice Hockey Youth Center shit. I don't know. Something like that. (laughs) It's awesome. I love it. I love to hear that. Yeah, there you go. What about some of your, if you don't even have these, some of your favorite episodes that you've done and then the opposite side, your least favorite episodes. Are there least favorite ones you've done afterwards? You're like, eh, that was okay. But let's start with a positive <laughs> one. We're like, that one was a great show. I know we nailed it. And a lot of people liked it too. Uh, this is going to sound, I, I want this to come across properly. I don't know that we ever have a show that I think is either better or worse than another one. Only because, again, because I'm also the one editing it mm-hmm. and promoting the show and, and running Twitter and all these things. I, I don't have as much time to think about that. You know, maybe I used to, but I'm constantly focused on just churning out content, whether it's for Patreon, whether it's the free show, whether it's watching something for our, our next review that uh, I just don't think in terms, it, it's so hard for me to be objective um, about our own show. But that said, I'll give you an answer. I really liked our 100th episode special that we did. Mm-hmm. It was a two-parter. The first part was kind of like a best of OVP and I put in all these clips from the first hundred episodes. And that was a ton of, I know that was a ton of work, so good job. Yeah, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) And then part two was our Wrestling with Shadows review, which just was so much fodder and so much fun and so much just silliness. So that one's a personal favorite of mine just because it was just a a lot of fun to do. Um, As far as least favorite, yeah, I... Probably just the early ones because yeah. I just sound so awkward and hi, here I am, you know, let's talk about Dino Bravo, that type of thing. Yeah, I understand. I understand. You know, I, I don't, you don't necessarily had to have an answer to that, but I understand that too. So do you ever feel like you are handcuffed to a certain demeanor with your show? Because like you said, it does sound the same every week, which is awesome. Do you ever feel handcuffed or do you're like, this is just our show? Um, No, I, I intentionally and generally i am in a good mood anyway (laughs) generally life is pretty good no but i intentionally want to come across the same every single week and it's not fake i mean if i'm in a bad mood i'll probably get more irritated with quinn if anything Mm -hmm. and you know but no i'm i'm there because people want to 
at this point, if I'm being honest, people want to listen to this show for whatever their reasons are. They're used to listening to it every Monday for three and a half years. And uh, I want to provide that for them. I want to come across as somebody that can make their day better, you know, by listening to Quinn and I rank, you know, tag team champions or whatever it might be, you know. So and I don't Howard, feel handcuffed. And Howard Finkel drops with a toilet flush after it. So <laughs> yeah, there one you of go. my favorite, the Royal Flush, was a big fan. <laughs> Thank you. Was a big fan of that. What are your? Do you have any goals going forward? Or is it just to keep pushing shows? Do you want to, you know, get a Manscaped sponsorship or a Blue Chew? Like, what do you want to do? Like, what's the goals <laughs> with you guys? Is it just to keep doing it? Is it to be, you know, get more monetary value for yourselves? Like, because I'm sure you're not based on everything you have to pay for. I'm sure you're not making a, a boatload of cash on it. So, what are your goals for it? Uh, that's a loaded question in a good way. I'll it's answer okay. it for you. So we want to keep making shows. Uh, we don't view it as an obligation. We view it as a fun thing to do. Quinn is my friend, you know, not a business partner. So we have fun doing it. We still have fun doing it. And I think we still have a lot of meat on the bone as far as finding different ways to discuss various things from wrestling's past and all sorts of shows to review. So we're going to keep going indefinitely. I've always said uh, we stop when it's just not fun anymore, when it's just not worth it. But it's we haven't even begun to approach, you know, that. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. We just keep making shows. Uh, number two, it's been nice, and it's never been our primary motivator ever, and it won't be to uh, to see the continual growth of our Patreon, which we keep very cheap. You know, the highest tier we even offer is five dollars, and that gets everyone everything that we offer. Uh, because we've been doing the pay-per-view reviews now, and that's been a lot of fun, and people really like them. So it's been really nice to see that grow, and if it all f- stopped tomorrow, great. We don't have to do any more extra stuff. You know, it's it really, I'm not in this for the money, but it is nice to to have a little bit coming mm-hmm. in from it. Um, yeah. And then the the main reason that beyond it's fun, right, when I talk about the audience and the people that listen, the main driver is um, when people send me either on Twitter or Facebook messages, like heartfelt messages about how they might have been going through a rough period of time for whatever reason, and our show was there to to get them through it. And that to me is mind-blowing because here I am, just a kid from New Jersey, grew up you know, picking his nose watching Bret Hart, and I'm talking with my best friend, about all these goofy, stupid things that we have noticed over the years in wrestling and ranking things seemingly arbitrarily, you know, (laughs) it's scientific. And, you know, to have people that make it a point to listen to us and that we've helped them in some weird way just by lightening their day and and talking about wrestling, it's that's the most rewarding thing. So if there's a goal at all, it's to continue to reach more people and to continue to give people something entertaining to listen to every single week. You guys have an audience and a dedicated audience, which is very cool. Um, and it's it's fun to see you guys interact on Twitter. Obviously, you're I'm sure you've gained a lot of followers from all the clips you post all the time yes. on Twitter. All these random weird clips, and they get retweeted by wrestlers from time to time, and all that stuff too, which is kind of crazy. Does it ever get old for you when someone not I'm not talking about the heartfelt messages, but someone like screenshots? Uh, an image like listen to OVP or takes a picture of their car radio. Has that ever been normal to you or is it still kind of like, this is crazy? Um, no, I guess I'm not going to lie. I think I'm pretty numb to that now yeah. just because I'm so used to it. You know, 
Yeah. Uh, it's it's great. I'm always thankful when people say they're listening. Mm-hmm. I am. But it doesn't surprise me anymore just because I know that we're at the point where there are people that are listening every single week. Yeah. That's and all, you know, when I the follow up to that is when did it when did that start to become a re, like a regular thing for you? Like this feels deserved and it feels good and normal to have. When it, when what was that like a few years in? When was that for you? Probably within the first year, honestly. Yeah. Um, when people would engage, I think engagement, I don't want to go off track too much here, but I think engagement is one of the, the key things, you know, even versus gross audience numbers is how, what percentage of them are actually engaged with what you're doing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and the same is true on Twitter, but I, that was the more impressive thing to me was the engagement, you know, that people were not only listening according to SoundCloud at the time, right? <laughs> we're yeah. on Podbean now. But uh, not only were they listening, not only did this number say a certain thing, whatever it was back then, but then people would actually comment about what they had heard. Yeah. And that, you know, that that's the coolest part. And that had started pretty early on because we were just saying weird things that people maybe either had noticed but had never heard anyone else say, like you were mentioning before, or we were when we started doing the Rushmores, we would start ranking Weird stuff. It wasn't just, you know, best wrestlers of all time. It was best ring attire of all time, you know, like weird <laughs> shit like that that no one was doing. So, yeah, um, that was pretty early on, probably within the first year. Yeah. And the reason I'm I'm asking all these questions is not to get you to humble brag, but it's to um, I'm going to do it anyway. I, I appreciate that. And I do it all the time, especially to my wife, who initially made fun of me for starting a podcast. Um, and who's going to listen to that was her first question. <laughs> when I told her. <laughs> Not good job. Who's gonna listen to you guys? Nice. Anyway, I tease her all the time about it, and now she's uh, it blows her mind when I say, "Oh, someone bought a T-shirt." She goes, "Who would buy one of your T-shirts?" Anyway, <laughs> she teases me. But no, but the reason I want to do this this whole topic of interviews with everyone, with you and other content creators, things like that, is one so everyone who also creates content can hear other people how other people do it and their perspectives. Because from time to time, we do end up in our bubble about our ways the only way to do something, and it's the best way it works for us, etc. Right. But also. If there's someone out there that wants to start a show, whether it be a YouTube channel or a website or a, a podcast, I want them to be inspired to do it and to get some information on it. Uh, we already talked about some of the most important things about one, make sure it sounds good. What are some advice you would gear to people that want to start a show, whatever that type of advice, that, whatever type of show that would be? Oh, uh, well, probably first thing i'd say is if you're doing it uh for money you might be disappointed Uh, but if you're doing it for fun then it's kind of hard to be disappointed Mm -hmm. you know if you're if you get fun out of it and that's your goal then great uh in terms of engaging people and and growing an audience that's not something i don't think i'm qualified to speak on i mean it's i think it can be hit or miss depending on so many factors what you're talking about what your show sounds like how it comes across I mean, there's only so many people that are going to listen to a, you know, AEW versus NXT rant, you know, every single Thursday morning or whatever. You know what I'm saying? There's there's a, becoming less and less of an audience for that because there's so many people that do things like that. So my advice would be be as creative as you can be to stand out from what anyone else is doing. Not necessarily be a, a complete, you know, rebel to everything else, but find at least one aspect, whether it's in production or presentation or topics or format, whatever it is that makes you different 
and do it because you're having fun doing it. And if you get some money along the way, great, you know, but I mean, the primary motivator should be that you have something that you've made that you, uh, had fun doing and that you can feel accomplished doing. I would think anyway. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know. And also to kind of know what your first, I think also know what your goals are when you first start the show too. Yeah. Like realistic goals too. Like for me, us, we talk about all the time, like we're not consistent with shows every week and that's for a, ver- a variety of factors. And, yep. and that's okay because my goal is to have a show and talk wrestling with my friend whenever I can. And that's yep. my goal at the show and that's good enough for me. And that's what you do. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And your guys' goal is to keep putting out quality stuff that you're proud of and and i I would say that summarizes you guys the best i can is you know you you are a niche podcast in a broad huge spectrum of wrestling podcast it's crazy like there's so much little things and then there's you guys right in there this retro wrestling podcast (laughs) yeah um and it's a it's a unique one and it's very very good and i appreciate you coming on and i really appreciate you taking time on this, is it Wednesday? Yeah, I think it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday yeah. night um, to talk with us. And I know you're the last, one of the last professional broadcasters out there. So you don't do interviews. So I take take the time coming on our show. is really appreciative. <laughs> if you guys want to follow Joe and Quinn on Twitter, as for all those fun wrestling videos that we just talked about and stuff like random superstars or random one where Jim Night Art's doing commentary on wrestling challenge, <laughs> could follow them the uh, at OVP podcast on Twitter and you've got the Facebook group which is what the Arvenge Point Facebook group yep you just look it up on Facebook yeah and what's your Patreon if people want to subscribe after they check you out for a few times patreon.com slash OVP podcast and the highest tier like he like Joe says five bucks so if you can support go ahead and do that uh, I always encourage everybody to support everybody they can and i'm a patreon member of i think one group and that's the laps fan because i'm impressed by the amount of research they do so they earn my dollar a month <laughs> to, to get <laughs> to get that for them so joe thanks for coming on anything else you want to talk about or say before we wrap up i mean i've got it's a podcast there's no rules so there's no time limit <laughs> oh that's right there's no time limit great there's um, no breaks <laughs> no i i think uh i think this is a great idea that you have going here steve by the way to reach out to various people because it is interesting to get different takes on the way people produce things and, and the way people uh, go about, you know, physically and in their mind of, of why they do what they do. Uh, and as far as OVP, I think uh, I think you summed it up nicely that we are in a, a niche podcast in a, in a crowded, you know, saturated podcast market. But uh, yeah, I love doing it. And I think that's the number one reason is if you love doing it, especially if you're doing it for free, <laughs> then keep doing it. Uh, and that's that would be my my main advice. The main thrust here is do it because you love it and because you're having fun. I'll ask you this since uh, I uh, will end on this. Maybe it'll be a funny or not even a funny note where my wife teased me for starting a podcast. <laughs> when you told family members or friends, like, I'm starting a podcast, was what was their reaction? My wife was and continues to be to this day the biggest supporter oh not what the ter- hell lauren joe's ter- wife likes him <laughs> <laughs> not in terms of listening she doesn't listen but <laughs> okay then never mind <laughs> she's been she's been a a big supporter and uh we share our the the loft up here where we do the show and where i edit yeah she also has her desk in here and sometimes i'll be editing and she'll be doing work at her desk and she'll laugh at some of the stuff that we say and that's probably the most rewarding <laughs> 
is my wife laughing at Quinn saying something funny. An audience of one, as I've heard some people say before. Hey, sometimes that's all you need. All right, Joel, thanks for coming on, guys. Follow Joe and Quinn every week, and you can subscribe on iTunes, wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. They'll feed into that, and they're on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Thanks for coming on, man. Once again, huge thank you to Joe from the Revenge Point Podcast for coming on. He doesn't do a ton of interviews, so super happy that he came on to our show. We were joking in DM about that, that he's a professional broadcaster. And he's a, maybe a broadcast journalist like Bobby Heenan. But as I said, in the interview a lot, you could follow them at OVP Podcast. And they have the Facebook group, the Revenge Point Podcast. And if you like our show at all, definitely check them out. They are awesome and funny and him and Quinn crack me up on their shows every week when they do their different segments and the, the sound drops and all that stuff. It's a very good show and they put a lot of effort into it. So go follow them and go listen to them. Subscribe on iTunes uh, and wherever else you subscribe to podcast. I'm not sure where that would be because I have an iPhone, but subscribe and download. If you got a few bucks, join their Patreon group for all the extra bonuses they give uh, bonuses that include I think he think Joe said show notes for ten bucks a month. I'm just teasing. That was a joke we had during the interview, but they do have a a, a Patreon group. Go find them and send them a few bucks if you can for extra content. So really appreciate everyone listening this week and continue to be on the lookout for more shows. Again, you want to subscribe to us on iTunes and everywhere else. Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast will feed into your podcast app. Every time a new show comes out, we will be there for you. And of course, always we're on Twitter, PPW Podcast for all the fun interactions pictures of my video store, wrestling memorabilia, and everything else we do on Twitter, where we keep it fun and positive for the most part. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks again to Joe for coming on. We'll have more of these. We'll have a regular show back with Eric soon as well, and maybe some more fun bonus shows on the horizon for everybody. Thanks for listening. See you soon. (laughs) 